Hey everybody, welcome back to Rocky Unscripted, where we talk about faith when Sunday's over. I I hit record and interrupted our conversation because I'm saying, guys, we have to start. And Amanda was like, we're starting like this? We're starting in the middle of this conversation? Um, and the answer is yes, Amanda. All you know right, why? Nick. Because this is unscripted. We're not going to get it all polished up and wait until we're all ready. Mm-hmm. We're just going to dive in, you know? All right. Talk about <clears throat> the real stuff. And today... Mm-hmm. We are t- talking about a very heavy subject. <laughs> wow. All right, before we go there, I feel like we got to say it. Matt, you were just you were just saying Amanda's wedding ring is is really impressive. Can we see can we see oh it on video, God. Amanda? Big. Okay. Big so if you're not watching down. video, which you can on YouTube, you can find this or you can open it up on Spotify. Amanda is wearing a wedding wedding ring that is a 15 karat diamond. Uh-huh. Is it really 15? <clears throat> no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what a 15 karat diamond would look like. Uh, Close to that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, what, what's the hope Ooh. diamond? What's the hope diamond? I, ha- I have a good, do sweet you, husband. Yeah, you do, do you do you have your light on? Yeah, do you? I, I don't have a light yet, Nick. Remember, you said you're going to give me a light. I keep forgetting to bring it over. <laughs> and it's just every time Amanda's hand comes up, I can't even see. You, you're blinded. My, yeah, so bright. Um, uh, well, you just, maybe just cover up her section of the screen so you can. I'll, I'll keep my I'll keep my hand down. Okay, yeah, that's good. Hey, Amanda, mm-hmm. you be you, okay? D uh, saved up money. He paid for that ring, and you don't need to be ashamed. Yeah, you want me to tell you? I got a new ring. You okay. want me to tell you the story? Yes. Okay, it's you asked. Matt opened the door. I'll I'll tell you the ring uh, the story. So when I when we got married almost thirty years ago, twenty nine years ago. Okay. Uh, we were super poor, um, and we had horses, and so we wanted to get married. So D actually, we sold my horse to pay for my first <laughs> wedding ring. Uh-huh. So a few months ago, D was like, "Hey, I've never felt good about that," mm. and so he bought a new ring. Mm-hmm. And then this is the funny part of the story that you both will appreciate, mm-hmm. and it very much speaks to Amanda. So he comes, he has this ring, Cherokee, our daughter's there. She's, like, videoing. Dee's about to give me this ring, and he's, like, being goofy and getting down on one knee and whatever. And he's, like, so he's telling the story how we sold my horse, and he never felt good about that. And I was, like, you bought me a horse? <laughs> <laughs> and he was, like... Nope, but I got you this oh, nice. No, you ruined the surprise. Diamond ring. You know what? That might be on D though. He should have just been a little <laughs> bit more like, I'm just gonna reveal it. I'm not gonna give this big elaborate story. Right. So now now he's gonna have to buy you a horse. I really want a donkey, but yes, one of those things. All right. So anyway, 20- yes. I got a new ring. Matt, I'll keep my hands down. Good for you. No. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. You you are free to show it off. So that reminds me, my wife got me. Uh, on, um, well, what do you call that? Rehearsal dinner, right before we got married. Uh-huh. She presented me with a gift I wasn't expecting. It was like my dream acoustic guitar. Uh, it's the one I still play today. Um, and it's an expensive guitar. And she knew the the guy that runs the company that makes the guitar. So she got a deal. But And I was like, oh, my goodness, you got to be kidding me. Later, she was like, so we still owe quite a bit of money on that guitar <laughs> so i basically it was kind of the it was the thought that counts right uh-huh. like uh I, I, we still had to it, it wasn't as elaborate as she selling one of my you know animals or something to pay for it but 
we definitely paid for it together after we got yeah. married. <clears throat> so, okay, I don't know how we make this hard turn, um, but Not- you know, Got Let's talk day? about some death. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. You know, I'm, when he sold your horse for that ring, it was the, it was a, it was a death of a, a dream, yeah. uh, Amanda. That you uh-huh. didn't have that horse anymore. I yeah. didn't. <clears throat> so that's a great segue, man. I appreciate that. Um, we're 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 in this series, this teaching series at our church um, called "What Keeps uh, You Up at Night," and this is just a two parter for the podcast because we're kind of summarizing it down. Um, and today we are talking about death because when you think about it, what keeps us up at night now for most of us, hopefully we're not having a tough time going to sleep every night because we're worried about our own mortality. But when it comes to those really, really, uh, big things that cause us to fear, I think we are afraid about what happens in the future. You know, where do I go when I die or how's it going to go? Or you're thinking about your, your own family, you know, just this fear of something bad that's going to happen. And um, it can be really, really crippling and it can cause people to focus on things they shouldn't be focusing on. So that's why we wanted to talk about it. Um, we're actually recording this before, Matt, you give the message uh, this week. However, as part of our, our like rhythms as a, as a staff, you actually kind of gave this message to a group of eight of us yesterday. And we kind of had that, that um, pre-release of this message. So that's what we're talking about. So it's very possible... <laughs> That by the time Sunday rolls around, you don't teach on some of the things that we're going to be talking about today, um, which could be really, or really good. Or we give him some good content. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. That's true. And that's why we're like, should we wait on this until next week? We said, no, yeah. let's go ahead and talk about it because uh, that, that can just be make for a unique conversation, which is what we mm-hmm. want for the podcast anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I want to focus in on um, w- one aspect of your message and, uh, you know, you, you're talking about this relationship that the disciples have with Jesus and it actually comes up quite often that they're afraid and they're mm-hmm. afraid of a lot of things. And a primary one that keeps coming up is they're afraid of death. And, and Jesus talks uh, to them about it quite a bit. But it's not just a theme in the New Testament. Let me pull up your notes here because um, here's three different passages. Joshua 1.9, Sean talked about this. Uh, Do not be afraid. Um, Isaiah 43.1, do not fear. Uh, mm-hmm. And then John 14, uh, 27, uh, again, repeats that, do not be afraid. It is not God's design. It is not Jesus's desire for us to live in fear. So if that's true, we should talk about these things that cause us fear and maybe try to help each other out. And what I want to focus on was this just kind of overall sense of something bad might happen. Um, and l- so let's talk about Paul. Could we? Could we yeah. go there? Let's do it. Um, I want you to sh- shed some light because Paul um, has faced quite a bit of adversity in, in his life, uh, either facing literally people want to kill him, he has enemies, but also in his adventures or his, you know, these the missions that he would go on, there are shipwrecks, right? He was bit by a snake. I mean, there's just bad things that happen to him and he keeps avoiding death. And could you maybe just summarize um, Paul's perspective about death? Maybe there's something that we can pull from there, but but what is his perspective? Yeah, we potentially, we don't know. Sunday hasn't happened yet, but we're going to be hanging out in Uh-oh. the book of Philippians, which is um, Paul's writing a letter to the church in Philippi, and he's writing it when he's in jail. And it's interesting, his perspective, <clears throat> it's really a cool kind of conversation he's having with himself where he's saying, 
I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's like the best direction for my life. I could get out of jail and then I could keep preaching and says to them, like, I could even come visit you guys, you know, and I could keep encouraging the church. And, and then he says, or I could die and I could go be with God. You know, I could spend eternity with, with my heavenly father. And he's, and he's like, I don't know which one's best. You know, I'm wrestling mm. with it. You know, is it time to go? Do I stay? And he's kind of listing out some pros and cons. And um, but he interacts with death in a in a in a way, a conversation with it that it, you can tell he's not scared. He's not to him. It you know he even he, he says it's it's gain, meaning mm. it's a good thing. You yeah. know, it brings about something good in in the end of his life. It brings something good, and so he. He almost mocks it. He almost, you know, makes, he's not making fun of it, but he's just kind of poking at it. And he's like, it's not, it's a win-win. This isn't like a win and a loss. Um, I consider death to, he's got a good grasp on it. And he, he's, he's very confident what happens after he dies. And so um, because of that, it's uh, which one is better? You know, these are both good options and, and which one is better, which, you know, from a humanity standpoint, I think most of us, I don't know if I would be there. <laughs> no, I mean, that, that sounds really, really yeah. counterintuitive. Like to live is okay. And, or live, yeah. if I'm living, it's good. If I die, it's good. Those are not categories that we think in. Yeah. He's, he's got a different disposition, a perspective towards death that is um, quite actually refreshing in light of the world that we live in and probably mm-hmm. how most of us even feel about it. So um, he's, and all intents purposes, looking forward to it. And mm. what's interesting, the, the the tension he's feeling is that when he's writing this, um, he's he's waiting trial. He's going to stand before Caesar. He's going to go on trial. And what he's really the tension he's feeling, or or maybe some of the potential worry, or might what you know the thing that's keeping him up at night isn't the idea of death or that he, he could die soon. It's that he's worried that when he stands before Caesar. He's not going to be bold in his faith. Mm. That's what he's worried about. He tells them, I hope I'm not going to be ashamed mm. um, when I stand before Caesar. Because he knows he could probably talk his way out of it. Like, I think he knows Caesar's going to ask him some questions about his faith. <laughs> and he's saying to them, I hope I won't be ashamed with the reasons that, or the way that I answer, you know, Caesar's questions. Um and so he's like, you know, I want to stand firm. I, I want to be a, a good representation of, of Jesus. And if it kills me, I win. Mm. And if I get out of here, I win. Mm. It's a it's a and one. It's a win win either way, which is um I, I admire it and yet it's a great challenge for me when I read that because I know there's definitely been moments in my life where the the idea of death has has been pretty paralyzing. Yeah. Well, I want to I want to get to that. I want to <laughs> unpack that. You were sh- sharing some stuff that's just really powerful. I know it's not some stuff that you really like to talk about, but I think it could be really really helpful. Uh, but could you explain? You, you you said this in our conversation yesterday. Uh, you said you you kind of put it in your own words, I believe, and and said that Paul is basically saying it's only when we are free to die that we are free to live. Yeah. Can you explain that? Yeah, I think he's, yeah, to really be who we've been called to be. You know, if, if God is our Father, he calls us to live in such a way that, you know, the tension in the New Testament is that you can live the right way and still, you're still going to die, you know? 
there, there is a risk factor mm. to how we live our life. And some of the things that God calls us to feels risky. And, and yet, to be fully obedient to how He calls us to live, and maybe potentially specifically calls you and me to do, when you take the fear of death out of it, I think it allows us to, to become more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and to know and it takes it takes that sting out of death. I think most of us we just consider death to be a it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like and it's the this, worst thing that should be avoided at all costs. Yes, and and yet Paul's he's freed up from that. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to stand before Caesar and he's going to tell him the truth, mm-hmm. even if it kills him. You know, because he's more concerned about being obedient to God than he is about his the, the longevity of his earthly life, you know, because of what he believes happens to him after he dies. And so because of that future glory, he's able to live how he feels like he's called to live. It's, it's I mean, you, you read the rap sheet. You talked about it on Paul. Dude went through all kinds of stuff. He should know? have died a bunch of times. Yeah. yeah, it's like, why are you still here, dude? Like, yeah. you I'd have, you and I would have gave up a long time ago. You know, mm-hmm. the first shipwreck, we would have been like, we're good. Well, what's interesting you say that <clears throat> is often that's how we d- determine, uh, like, if we got shipwrecked on, you know, doing something that we thought was for God, we'd probably be like, ooh, I guess God doesn't want us to do this anymore. Yeah. We would take some of those threats to mean God is saying, danger, danger, go the other way. And Paul is, say, is determined to say, no, this is worth it, and this is a call on my life. I may face adversity, uh, but I'm moving forward. Yeah. Normally, we I, view it the opposite. Yeah, and I think that perspective, Sean talked about this yesterday from a, a message from that he heard Francis Chan give, but you, know, you can tell the perspective of Paul. I mean, eternity is a long time, right? Mm-hmm. And if we really believe at the end of this life, if, if you believe in Jesus, you're going to spend eternity with him. Then what we're doing today is just—it's barely a blimp on the, on the timeline. Mm-hmm. You know, if anything, this is just a little test of of what we truly believe. And so, you know, for, for Paul, it's like, man, I I I need to live how I've been called to live. Mm-hmm. And if it cuts my time here short, in the context of our earthly life, I still know there's an eternity after this. Mm-hmm. And I want to go into eternity being obedient. I want to live how I've been called to live. I mean, he'll say in other places in the gospel to to live a life worthy of the gospel. I want to live as though the gospel is true. Mm-hmm. And and we talked about this yesterday. Definitely, the culture in, in which Paul was living in is much different than than your you know our culture <clears throat> that we live in. So, um, I I don't know if we're gonna die for our faith. I don't know if the culture we live in is ever gonna get there. Um, we'll probably die of some other causes. You know, I don't know if we're ever going to stand before, before a judge and, and give a defense of our faith, but which is maybe why it has a little more power in our life mm-hmm. because it, yeah, we view it differently. But for them to be a Christian, I mean, there was probably good odds back then. You're probably not going to make you, it. Yeah, you, you, you. The well, odds no one gets dying. out of this, you know, alive, you know, we're right. Alive. But they were probably going to be uh, martyred. To be a Christian came with an incredible amount of risk. Yeah. More so than you and I have ever, you know, experienced. So, yeah, it's a diff- different perspective from from Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that when you were finished yesterday and we were just kind of chatting, it was just like, man, this 
how do we overcome this kind of that crippling uh, fear when it comes to death? Because I don't know that there's anything that we're going to wrap our heads around and say, I have no issue with death anymore. I'm not worried about it. I'm not afraid of it. There's, there's always, I mean, you know, in scripture, it says like, you know, death, where's your victory death? Uh, you know, where's your, your sting. And we, we, we hear that and, and we can agree with it. We think of that like eternal focus, you know, cause it's like, we believe in life after death. So death doesn't win. It's not the end. However, when it's like, man, there's people in my life that aren't here anymore and it stings. You know, there, there are people in my life that I loved deeply and uh, there's a lot of sorrow and there's a lot of grief because they died. Um, so there's a, there's a reality there and a practicality. I'd love to, to hash out a little bit as far as, okay, well, are there things that we can do and perspectives we can have that help us just see beyond, I think, the immediate like uh, horrible reality of death? We've talked about this, but I'd love to go into maybe a little bit more detail. Amanda, um, there's a season in your life where you were diagnosed with yeah. cancer, and it was uh, it, it 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 seemed not maybe not imminent, but probable. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. we were chatting a little bit before here. Do you mind just jumping into, um, you know, your diagnosis and a conversation you had with your doctor that it said this basically it's like this isn't going to end well. Um, yeah, so I got diagnosed with breast cancer when I was 27, <clears throat> and obviously, I mean, just the word cancer, I think it's funny. It used to be probably more uh, uh, immediate thought of, like, if you associated, you know, mm-hmm. someone with cancer, you were like, they're going to die. We just didn't have treatments yeah. and all of those things in place, too. <clears throat> but then there became a point where it's like, hey, probably if you have a certain kind of cancer, breast cancer being one of them, like your odds are pretty good. So to be honest, when I got cancer, I mean, I'd been um, a Christian for probably five years at that point. And so that probably wasn't my initial fear. I was like, all right, um, this is beatable. Let's go. Started doing all this testing, had CAT scans and bone scans and all of that. Um and I had a CAT scan, uh, went to my oncologist to go over all my tests. My mom was with me. Um, and they said, hey, you, you do obviously have your breast cancer, um, but we did a CAT scan and there's some spots on your liver and they're they're bad. Like we're 90% sure that those are cancer. And um, we need to do some more testing, but yeah, that's probably what the what the thing is. And so I said what happens if I have liver cancer, if that is cancer in my liver? And with my mom in the room, the oncologist said, you're going to, you're going to die. Like you won't live from this. So yeah, that was probably the first time that I was like, all right, I'm 27. I've got a three-year-old, a six-year-old. And you just told me I'm going to die with my mom in the room. And I got to go home and tell my husband like, hey, probably not going to make it through this. Um, so yeah, that next 24 hours was definitely, it just sends you into a different headspace of, yeah, what, what does that mean? And regarding your faith of that very spot of like, this is what I say I am. This is what I say I believe, who I believe in. Um, and you've mm-hmm. put a lot of faith in that. And you've claimed that faith to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And then you're sitting in front of it. And it's like, do I really believe what I've said I believe that is Jesus is good on either side of this? That it is that that point of like, hey, I'm good if I die. I'm good if I live. Um, because that's what I've said I believe. Mm-hmm. 
I can honestly tell you, like, amidst the fear, the fear was like, I've got a three-year-old and a six-year-old that I might leave yeah. behind. The freedom was like, I do believe mm. what I say I believe. And I can truly say, I looked at Dee and said, like, we've got to be good other either way, and I am good either way. Like, mm. there is a freedom in that deep relationship with Jesus and trusting in what you, what you say you believe in. Mm-hmm. So... And a little bit inexplainable, like the average person or the person who isn't a believer, who doesn't have that faith. I mean, I I get how that sounds crazy to them or how you read Paul's words and you're like, can you truly say that and believe it and mean it? And I don't know if you know if you believe it or mean it until you're in that spot where you Mm -hmm. have to choose it. Yeah. So. I I thought, Nick, you made a good point yesterday when we were chatting about this. We were kind of poking at Paul a little bit, you know. It's not a married guy. Yeah. Doesn't have kids. And I, I wonder for some of us, and this may be the add-on to the message I've been thinking a lot about it is kind of like, you know, with Amanda's story, you know, if that's an interesting place to be knowing that possibly your your death is imminent. Mm-hmm. And it's if that happened for me, it, it wouldn't be a fear of 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 me dying. It would be the all the what ifs. Yeah. With my family and my girls and how how is my death going to affect them because i've i've lived through that and that that's where the that's where it gets tough mm-hmm. that's where the faith is going no i i i'm confident in what's on the other side of this life but do i really trust now really the faith kicks in and go do i trust that god will will use my death that he will redeem it in such a way in the lives of the people who i love the most and that's the sting for me a little bit mm-hmm. right that's the that's totally out of my control. I won't be here. I won't be here. Mm-hmm. So, but I think that, you know, what you're potentially leaving behind is is tough. We talked about that. Even for, I mean, Sean kind of talked about that a little bit. Like, the older you get, that sting goes away potentially a little bit more. Um, we were joking with him. Like, he's not ready to die. But it was like, <laughs> is it? A, it's different. Like, for Amanda's story, you're 27, with two little kids, it's different if I, like we talked about this, but we have stories of like people in our families who are in their 90s mm-hmm. and they're like, I'm ready to go. Right. Yeah. And you're like, I get it. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I get it. Your quality of life isn't great and your kids are grown and you've you've gone through the big parts of life. Mm-hmm. But there, there's that, a version of adult fairness where when we see death creep in, at young ages or a 27-year-old mom, it, I don't know, man, it, it challenges that even more so. Mm-hmm. Even for those of us of faith, and I agree with you, people don't have faith, man. I, I was even thinking about that last night going, yeah. how, how to, I don't know, I, mm-hmm. to, be, to be in this world today and everything's riding on the here and now. Mm-hmm. This has to go good because yeah. this is all you got. It's a tough, I mean, it's a tough world to live in. It's yeah. funny too, uh, Nick, I think, you know, on the, like, hey, I have, I have faith in what I say, I believe, and, you know, you're talking about your loved ones and your kids that you're leaving behind. You do start doing this thing. I mean, I was like, felt like I was almost bargaining, mm. like, hey, I'll die, but can you just wait 18, just 18 years? Just mm-hmm. wait till my kids are 18, and then I'm good. Mm-hmm. Um, anything's on the you table You want to at see them point. through some of these things. Yeah, I mean, you start... You start getting in your your 
you're in this spot of like, I am good. I trust you. I trust that. But can we just, can we negotiate mm -hmm. um, that a little bit? And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Matt, you're going to say something. Just that my oldest is about to turn 18 in two months. So mm -hmm. maybe wait till Cadence, the youngest one, turns 18. Yeah. That gives me you know, <clears throat> a couple more years. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking, yeah. I think another thing too is I think there's some things that we should wrestle with now. And then there are some things where it's like, you don't have to get that. You don't have to have that figured out. I don't mm. think we have to, that God expects us to be at a, pl a place where um, we have to just be okay and, 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 and fully um, ready to die or ready for loved ones to die before we get anywhere close to it. You know, I think there's a couple things that God wants us to wrestle with. Like, look, there's life beyond this life and you ne we need to resolve that. It's Jesus's message about himself that you have to go through him. He is the gateway mm -hmm. to his father. And that is something that he calls us to resolve. And that's what you guys are talking about as far as, man, if you don't have a faith, I don't, I don't know how you process this. I don't know how you get through this. However, I think we also should know that when we face these scenarios, that God has the grace to walk us through them. And that's maybe where some of us need to get to, as opposed to, I've got to get this all figured out and all resolved, and I'm not okay with that. I'm no, you know, we just, we reach this point where it's like, I just can't process all that. Um, and I think there's a grace from God to say, uh, we don't have to get this all figured out right now. Uh, Matt, I'm curious with you, because you, with your father dying, uh, how old was your dad? Uh, he was 35. 35. So you experienced something when you were getting close to that age or maybe just beyond that age, you had a real fear about death. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I actually, so right up until I turned uh, almost 33, I thought my dad actually passed away when he was 33. And so even as I got close to turning 33, uh, I just started wigging out. I mean, I, I, my girls were you know, right, getting close to the same age that I was when my dad had passed away. And so, you know, I would just manifest these chest pains and I'd convince myself I'm going to have a heart attack. And I went to the emergency room many times, five, six times. Hmm. And I'd go in there and they'd hook me up to all the machines. And, you know, I always get their attention because <clears throat> I'd say my dad died when he was 35 and they'd bring me back and, and be like, your heart's good, dude. Mm. And um, eventually got to a place with my doctor here who one time said to me, um, you're not going to die of a heart attack this year. You're just not. I'm just telling you, you're not. Like, mm -hmm. Your heart is good. Um, so it, yeah, it just, man, I was just so afraid. And mm. really not of death in the sense of, you know, what happens to me, but I was just reliving all the trauma mm -hmm. as a 12-year-old and, not wanting my girls to have to go through that. And it was just distracting me. It was just, mm -hmm. it was just, so I, I even, um, my doctor actually said, hey, can you get a copy of your dad's autopsy report? And so it was very interesting, called my mom and got it and sent it to my doctor. And the first thing my doctor said was, well, your dad was 35. <laughs> He wasn't there. And I was like, I feel good. I got two more years. So I kind of relaxed. And then um, it gave me, it was actually a nice little refresher because <laughs> it was like, all right, I, I'm not handling this well. Hit the refresh button. And then um, 
really spent a lot of time working through that up to my 35th birthday. And on my 35th birthday, uh, with a couple of my friends, I, I got, I got my first tattoo. It's my only tattoo that's on my arm that just says, be not afraid. And I just made a decision that I just wasn't going to live my life in fear. Mm. Um, that, you know, yeah, I've lived longer now than my, than my, my dad. And, um, but I just don't want to spend my days thinking about, mm. you know, when, when it's going to be my last day right now. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm still here, and so I'm just going to make the most of today. So it, it was just a really freeing. Um, and what's been interesting is my brother is going through that right now. Mm. I just chatted with mm. him. He was out here this summer, and he's getting close to 35, and he's wigging out and has been to the doctor. And I'm just going, buddy, I've been there. You know, I, I get it. Um, and it's just, um, yeah, it's been a journey for me, but I, I feel like I'm on the other side of it now. And I joke sometimes that I'm on borrowed time and, um, but it, it's, it, it's been, it, it's that trauma, you know, as a young mm-hmm. person and, and, uh, when you're 12, 35 is a long way off. And then now all of a sudden you're 35 and you're dealing with real life things and, and life has changed, you know, mm-hmm. I'm married, got four kids and, and for me, that's the thing. And. And yet, you know, the cool thing is my own story. God has totally redeemed. He has used my father's death in so many positive ways in my life. Um, and yet there's something inside of me that, if I'm honest, I'd, I wouldn't want my kids to have to go through that. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yet I, I just choose to trust God with it. And I do what I can. I do what I can, and I leave the results to him. So mm-hmm. I try to eat healthy. I try to limit the Big Macs, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Try to go to the gym, mm-hmm. and then at the end of the day, whenever my my last day is here, I want my kids to be like he gave it a go and he did his best. Mm-hmm. He really tried to stick around as long as he could, but he's on the other side now with Jesus, and let that's kind of the way. Let me ask it's, you this. Oh, sorry, oh, Amanda, we just add to that. I was just gonna say it's funny. I just in response to like trauma. I mean, I didn't die. Obviously, it's twenty years later, and I'm super thankful through tons of treatment and all the things to to be alive. But my kids have very different responses to that time in their life of thinking like, hey, my mom might die mm-hmm. um, and going through that. And Cherokee really embraced. She's she's 27 now. and But probably from the time she was six when this all happened, she really embraced this like, hey, I mean, you could die tomorrow, so let's go for it today. So, like, she'd go skiing, and we'd be like, be careful. And she's like, I mean, if you can't, you know, break your neck, why go? Um, So she just was like, I don't know. She's like, yeah, you might die, but let's let's go. Mm. Chloe, she developed a fear of, Mm. like, of dying. Um, And she still, she struggles with it still to this day. She's got a lot of anxiety around that. So it is funny, Mm -hmm. just maybe age, how they experienced it. what their cognitive ability to process it at the time was. I'm sure faith plays into it some, but yeah, they process it very differently um, of what that looks like for them. And I I think the reason I say that is because we all do, right? Based on what past trauma we have, what maybe current thing we're going through right now, um, just family structure. I think that comes out differently, whether whether faith's in the game or not, but obviously faith plays into it big, but. Mm Matt, when you were talking yesterday, I jotted down a couple notes um, and we kind of hashed it out. I'd love to know if you guys would add to it. And it was almost this idea of, all right, we are going to be afraid of death as long as 
you know, dot, dot, dot. And I wrote down three things. We'll be afraid of death as long as we have this sense that we have to be in control over everything in our life. I think that is a scary place to be, especially when you think of not just death, just like you have to be in control over the job you have at all times. Well, you could lose your job. You know, it's like you have to be in control that your kids are going to be, uh, they're going to make all the right decisions. Hey, they won't, you know? Uh, and then ultimately it's like, I want to be able to control when I die. Well, we can't, you know, that sense of if that's our motivation, I think death will have a, a grip on us, the fear of death that we're not supposed to have. Um, the other one we, we already kind of mentioned that was just this, you don't have this sense of uh, a peace with God. You don't have this sense of uh, a comfort with eternity. And I'm not saying we, that any of us really can wrap our heads around eternity. A lot of questions come up when we, we think about that. Sometimes if we're honest, we're like, um, I don't really want to go to heaven because I like my life right now. I like my spouse. I like my kids. I like I like the the life I'm living and this idea of heaven, especially when worship leaders are like, guys, when we get to heaven, we're just going to be singing all the time. <laughs> you know, it's like, what? I don't know if I want yeah. that. But there's just this unresolved sense of like, I, I think God's mad at me. Or I don't even if God is real. You, you were talking about that, both you guys, earlier. I think when we don't have that sense of resolution... The fear of death is is real. Um, and then just one more, and maybe this is tied to that control thing, and that's just, man, day in and day out, my goal is is comfort or my my goal is is pleasure. You know, I want the next day to be better than today it, it, as far as my, my comfort and my pleasure. I think if that's my focus and that's my goal, then this fear of death or fear, fear of pain just has a grip. Um, is there anything you guys would add to that or do you want to comment on those things um, before we keep going? I think it, um, I think it, this is all uh, an exercise of surrender. Yeah. And which is at the core of our faith, right? When we come to a conclusion about who Jesus is, we are surrendering our life and going, all right, you know, I, I was given this a go and it's not going well, so I'm going to follow you now hmm. and I'll trust what you say and about the here and now and i'll trust what you say about you know the life after this and i i'm just going to surrender and i think that's how you start living you know when you just go hey i'm i'm free of in light of full surrender and this is where we struggle with because as christians we give you know we'll surrender some but not all you know and i think even for some people this topic of death we haven't fully surrendered Mm. um because i and i say this not as an attacking way, but it's interesting. I, you know, as a as a pastor, I, I'm at quite a bit of funerals, and there's people of faith who they almost seem shocked that death still exists. Mm-hmm. And it, I'm not saying we, it shouldn't hurt, but you know what I mean. It's just, mm-hmm. it's like wow. The, it's it's interesting how people respond to this. Like, mm-hmm. like we didn't know death is part of life, and. And you can just tell they haven't given this up. They, they have not given this up. And so to live is to fully surrender and to trust God, not just with some, but with all. And, and Nick, I think you're a lot right. We, we have a false sense of security and control in the mm-hmm. West. And when that gets challenged or we start losing some of that, you quickly realize we've not surrendered as much as, 
maybe we had hoped we had. Right. And even to Amanda's story, <clears throat> you begin to learn those things when it becomes real life. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, you, you, you start understanding what you've surrendered over when you get a cancer diagnosis at 27. Mm-hmm. You're going to learn some things. And um, so that, I, that, that's what I've been reminded of. I told Sean this whole series has been a series really on surrender. If I'm not going to worry, if I'm not going to be fearful, if I'm not going to let death overtake me, if it's like I got to surrender these things mm. and just go, God's got it, and I'm responsible on my end of the decisions I make, and then I just give Him the rest. And if today, you know, in the context of death, if today's my last day, today's my last day, or if I'm here for another fifty years, I'm here for another fifty. I, I trust Him with it, mm-hmm. and um, I think that's how we get the most out of this life in the here and now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I don't know, Amanda, if well you say anything different, but that's kind of I where mean, I am. I mean, I totally agree. I think we get distracted and we, we forget the goal in life isn't to live forever on this earth. Mm-hmm. The goal in the life is to live for eternity and to bring as many people with us as possible. So we spend a lot of time trying to do everything we can, like you said, Nick, to, mm-hmm. to take all the things, to do all the things, to put ourselves in all the right places. We want to avoid all the pain, what we consider to be bad, what, um, yeah, to to try to live forever. Mm-hmm. Think about how much time we spend trying to live longer um, yeah. in our culture. And, uh, yeah, I think we, we have the wrong focus, the wrong goal a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Well said. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, I mean, obviously the topic is is big. Dude, we haven't joked around a lot this podcast. We haven't. Very... Well, how do you joke around when... It's tough, dude. <laughs> you're, you're talking about yeah. scary, scary stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There was a couple times where I thought of something funny to say, but I'm like, I can't. <laughs> yeah. I got I to gotta bite my tongue. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. Good job. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Hey, one more time, Amanda. Can we see your wedding ring? You can. Oh, my word. So bright. So bright. Good job, D. I Good know. job, D. It was He's worth a- giving up that horse a long time ago for, I think. Yeah. <laughs> you think I listen? I think you did all uh, right. This I I got uh, I made money. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, my it's a horse deal. was my. I got a better deal. Yeah. Oh, the horse wasn't uh-huh. worth a lot. I mean, he was worth some. He wasn't worth this. Yeah. yeah. Um. That reminds me. One time. <laughs> one time, a friend. At for Caroline's maybe sixth or seventh birthday, she bought a gift of you can go to this stable and ride a horse. And she's six or seven, never ridden a horse. They gave her the oldest, kindest horse. And I think its name was Blue. Mm-hmm. And rode the horse, had a blast. Um, and weeks go by, she wanted to do it again. Contacted the person that gave her the gift and like, well, I'll look into it again. Horse was dead. Dang. <laughs> It was so old. That may have been its last ride. Look, we're talking about death. I know. And uh, we, we, we had a joke for a while that it's like, blue is now glue. <laughs> There's your joke. Carver. There's the you joke. Got it. You got There's it in. Got it in. Got Guys, it. thanks so much. Um, we'll continue more conversations in the future. But good to have you back. It's been a little while. Yep. Good to see you, Nick. Yeah. Matt, anything else you want to say? Probably he's, just a, he's still admiring the look on your face. The look on your face. You probably should just. I let tell you it what. Go. Every time, every time I get on this podcast, I go, man, I'm look, I'm looking old. 
Hey, we'll get I'm you. We'll get you a, like a vanity light. We'll get you. Thank you. We'll get you looking better. Okay. I yeah. know. I, I like my light. Thanks. I know. Nick. I know. It's working great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Looks good. All right. See you, See later, you guys. Dude. Bye. Bye.